Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066. The Black and White Network now proudly presents Moms Across America, a new program where women can speak their minds openly and freely without fear of reprisal. Moms Across America is about the issues of the day confronting America from a mom's point of view. And now, here are the moms. Hello and welcome to Moms Across America. This is Vicki Tompkins with my co-host Annie. I'm so excited about our show today. We have Dr. Miriam Grossman with us and I am excited to talk about her. But before we get started, I want to get one little commercial out of the way. And that's concerning the free constitution. Remember moms, you can get a free constitution from ashbrook.org forward slash constitution. It is important that we know about our country and what our rights are so we can stand up when we need to. So let's get right into it. Um, Annie, do you want to introduce Dr. Grossman and tell us all about her background? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Grossman on my show recently, Southern Sense. She's a wonderful, talented, and highly intelligent woman who I greatly admire, Dr. Miriam Grossman. Good afternoon, Dr. Grossman. You're also the author of a newly released book called Trans Nation. Right. Um, well, hi to everybody. The name of the book is Lost in Transnation. Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist died out of the madness. Yes, we certainly need that today. <laughs> yes, we do. Jump, can I just jump right in here? I have a question. <laughs> okay, so I am hearing a lot about what's going on with the transgender and children, especially that just makes me pretty upset. But um, was why do you think there's such a push to make a mental issue, a physical situation of cutting off body parts or surgically removing children's body parts? Why do you think that is happening? Well, uh, you know, that's, that's a big question. Certainly there's a lucrative, you know, it's a very lucrative industry. Uh, each child, each child that is placed on uh, blockers and then hormone therapy and then surgeries, um, they're worth about a million dollars to the pharmaceutical, wow. the pharma, in, in terms of their entire life. Um, because once you're on the cross-sex hormones and you wish to, uh, to have this uh, persona, you know, like a, a synthetic persona of the opposite sex appear as if you are the opposite sex, 
you need to be on hormones your entire life. So if you, you know, uh, uh, these kids are starting on the hormones early, early in life, you know, they might be, they might be in their early teens or mid teens. And so they have what, 70 years or whatever it may be, hopefully they, they live that long. Um, so of course it, it's a, it's a gold mine. That's, that's one response to your question. Right. It, it, it's a gold mine. I would also say that there are people that wish to change our society and in such a way that uh, male and female are eliminated. The differences between male and female are, they, tr they would like to eliminate. Of course, it's impossible to do that. Um, uh, they would like to see humanity sort of transcend the uh the confines of the body you know like they would the restrictions of the body so they i mean this is way out this is way out stuff but you started with this question so I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know there are, there are people that advance this uh worldview of disembodiment uh living being able to live detached from our physical selves it's called um, uh, tra transhumanism, the transhumanism movement, and they are trying to, um, you know, live forever, live in a disembodied state. Uh, and there are a number of very wealthy transgender individuals that are pouring uh, millions and millions in into uh, to this industry. So. Um, you know, that's, that's two possible answers to your question. I will tell you, though, that I'm more focused not on that big, big picture of what's going on from 30,000 feet. I'm more focused on what's going on with the child and with the family and in the schools. Um, I, I apologize for not getting the title of your book correct. That's my bad. Um, but it is Lost in Transnation, A Child's Psychiatrist's Guide to Out of the Madness. And when we had our conversation prior, um, we were focusing on the child. And it is the formative way in which to change our society by removing the child from the family unit. And we give our children over to a public school system that controls the vast majority of their day. Uh, it's another yeah. step of separating the parent from the child and making the child a guardian of the state and not a ward of the parent. Uh, we have been seeing now movements state by state by trying to give parents back their rights. Uh, would you recommend a parent picking up your book to see exactly what's going on to see how to regain their rights? That, that's a major, a major goal of my book is to educate parents so that they are not sitting ducks. I've seen so many families that were blindsided and they just happened to find out that their daughter, for example, is using the boys' bathroom at school and that all her peers and teachers and everyone at school is calling by a boy's name. Parents have the right to... Uh, to direct their child's education and their child's medical and 
uh, mental health care. The Constitution is very clear on this. Parents have a constitutional right. And so, yes, I am educating parents and I have an entire chapter on that issue. Schools, you know, school is starting in a few weeks. Parents have to be aware that some schools are actual indoctrination centers for this ideology, this belief system. I like to call it a belief system. It is not based in science. It is not based in medicine. It is, it is, it is an irrational belief system to think that, that people can be born in the wrong body. Um, so yes, my book is, uh, it provides parents tools that they need in order to know what's going on at school and to put the school on notice that you will not agree to any sort of your child being exposed to any of the gender ideology. You do not agree to your child joining any clubs in which she or he will be learning gender ideology. You do not agree to your child meeting with any guidance counselor at the school without you being informed and without your permission. I want parents to understand that some schools are actively undermining the yes. rights of parents. And I explain and I tell those stories in the book. So I want parents to be informed before school starts. You have to understand uh, these schools, as you mentioned, Anne, that there can be an agenda. Uh, these, the, an agenda of, of placing a wedge between a child and their loving and devoted parents. And in some of these schools, the teachers, the principals and the guidance counselors think that they know better than you do what's good for your child. Well, you said yes, something, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Vicki. Uh, she, she said something very, very important and she used the word industry when dealing with this transgenderism, transhumanism, uh, movement we are seeing and when you use the word industry it flashed back to a lot of things that i've been noticing and it was made public in the loudon school district in virginia when parents started to stand up they started off with uh, critical race theory uh, diversity equity and inclusion they moved it and included now transgender but it is a multi-billion dollar industry so now the taxpayer and the parents and the teachers are on one level. They're being completely cut out from what the school district is doing. And it's the industry and the school district and our tax dollars are just going through this huge funnel. And as I'm seeing now that between 2000 and now, school budgets have increased six times what would be a normal increase be. And this is what we're fighting. We're fighting a massive industry. Is that not true? Oh, I would agree that we're fighting a massive industry, yes. Uh, it's powerful, it's extremely well-funded, but there is so much that parents can do. And that's why I put the book, I'm giving parents, you know, from A to Z, first of all, the information that they need to understand where this came from, the biology that they need, and not written on a PhD level, not a book for parents, the book for regular moms and dads. I want moms and dads from when their kids are young age to already be explaining to them 
from the moment that you were created, from the first moment of your existence on this earth, you were either a boy or a girl. There's nothing being assigned at birth. There's no doctor in the delivery room making this big decision and determining whether you're a boy or a girl. It's not someone's decision. It is, it's a fact. And every cell in your body is marked male or female. There are so many discussions that parents can have with their children about this and giving them the accurate biology so that I want parents to be reaching their child before the ideologues reach them, before they hear these ideas. So that even if your kid is five years old and for the first time, let's say your son is hearing this phrase, love, hate this phrase, sex assigned at I want your child to already recognize and the red flag should be waving for that child. No, that's not correct. Sex mm -hmm. is not assigned at birth. Sex is established and it's forever the moment of conception. And I'm not saying you teach your little kid about the birds and the bees and about sperm and egg. You don't need to do that. But you do need to explain that you were always a boy or a girl and you will always be a boy or a girl. Now, granted, there are many different kinds of boys. There are many different kinds of men. There are boys that have less stereotypically uh, uh, masculine, let's call them dress. There are boys that might play balls. There are boys that might be interested in fashion. And that's absolutely fine. You must never allow anybody to tell you because you might have certain certain behaviors that you might not be you are a boy let anyone say that to you and for sure you never want to change your body you don't want to damage your body you want to find a way to be you who you are and find you and love Several weeks ago, I watched your video when you were talking to Congress and you said something that just struck me and it was so beautiful. You said, no child is born in the wrong body. Their bodies are just fine. It's their emotional lives that need healing. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is the crux of the matter right there. And you were just talking about that. When you're born, you're born as a male or a female. And that's something that can never be changed. And what bothers me is they try to say that you can change all this by taking this, this hormone thing or that hormone thing. And you can become this, this individual that you were never designed to be. So I was literally cheering when I heard you say that, and, and it, it just, if people could realize you are beautifully made as that male or female that God created you to be, and there's just such a push to get God out of everything. Now we're trying to get children to believe that God made a mistake. And so I really appreciate that you have made that statement and put that out there. 
because we need to encourage children. You are beautiful just how you are. And that's something I don't hear very much in society anymore. Exactly. You know, Vicki, you said that beautifully. And one of the things that I have in my book is that I want girls especially, I mean, of course, we are all made in a wondrous way. And we need to appreciate that. There used to be this, uh, we used to say, don't mess with mother nature, remember? Don't mm -hmm. mess with mother nature. We used to say things like the body has its own wisdom. Well, we may not be saying those things anymore, but they are still true. And we should not be messing with mother nature. Yeah. And we are either the body does its wisdom. But what I wanted to say is that, you know, the, the young girls that are getting mastectomies, that's just a particularly appalling and difficult thing. Because, um, well, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, and I've also studied maternal child bonding. And I've studied the importance of breastfeeding. And it really, I find it so disturbing that girls are being led to believe that their breasts are just sex objects and they are disposable. They are disposable sex objects. And we have uh, surgeons that are removing the breasts of girls who are 12 and 13 years old. So what I'm saying in the book is that this is, these are atrocities. And we have to teach all kids, but the girls perhaps even more so, the wonders of how they are made, the wonders of their female biology that their breasts are not simply sex objects. They serve a function. And when they get older, it may be very hard to imagine when you're a teenager, of course, but you know what? People change, people grow older, and a point often comes that people wanna have biological children. It may be difficult to imagine right now, but you know, as I say to my patients, you are 15, I am 115. So I've seen, I've seen a lot more than you do. And I know that people change and you are going to change. The idea that we are removing the breasts of these little girls, there are no words for how terrible that is in my opinion. We're, we're going to take a um, commercial break and come back. And I want to get into that part of um, the sexualization of children, what is happening uh, and what, how they can be affected by these body part removals and everything else that goes along with that. So we'll be right back here in a minute. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. 
Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican. Okay, and welcome back to Moms Across America. I'm Annie with my co-host, Vicki. And our guest today is Dr. Miriam Tonsom, who wrote an awesome book called Lost in Translation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness, available up on Amazon, also on Kindle. Um, it touches the whole range of subjects on transgenderisms with our children, and it's a guidebook for parents and for people that have someone in their family with a child that is, is, is being brainwashed into this new transhumanism, transgenderism. And you trace it from the history of it, uh, also equating part the fad to what we had in the 1950s of the frontal lobotomies, a van coming to a neighborhood near you. And this has become basically the latest fad. And as we see our kids go through school, at one point it was bulimia. It was another point was young girls all deciding to become pregnant before they graduate high school. Now it's transgenderism. It's the latest thing to fit in, but there's a huge cost to this. There is a huge cost to the child, to the family and to our nation. And can you elaborate on what that cost is? Oh. You I know, know I hit you with a big one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will just mention, Annie, you, you talked about the lobotomies, and I believe it's, it's really important to remind people that my profession, the medical profession, has a very checkered past in terms of a medical calamities and doctors coming forward and saying that they have found solutions to, uh, to issues, either mental health or physical health, and then uh, pushing these uh, drastic treatments and then harming people. And we realize, when we realize at some point that it's not at all a solution, it's actually a catastrophe. And what happened with the lobotomies is that uh, a, a, a doctor came up with the idea that people with mental illness and behavioral problems uh, would benefit from having part of their brain severed, you know, sort of separated from, from the rest of their brains. And he devised a, uh, a, a, an intervention, let's call it, in which uh, a, sharp, a sharp tool uh, was inserted into the brain. Either they made, they made, two, they drilled two holes in the brain or they entered the through the eye socket, very primitive surgery. Um, and they performed these surgeries on tens of thousands of people. And in fact, the inventor of this procedure, this is important for people to know, got the Nobel Prize. So there was a time in history when everyone at the highest levels of medicine were convinced that this was just a great thing, a great solution. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, the, the sister of JFK, Rosemary Kennedy, was lobotomized. And 
the reason I'm bringing this up again is because we can only imagine that a family like the Kennedys living in Boston, Massachusetts, with their influence and their wealth must have had access to the best doctors at the time. And those doctors must have said to that family, to her parents, this is the way forward for Rosemary. This is gonna help Rosemary. There's a medical consensus. And they signed on the dotted line and they lobotomized their daughter, Rosemary, who was then completely made into an invalid, institutionalized for the rest of her life mm. due to that lobotomy. Now, I'm bringing this up because, you know, unfortunately, it gives me no, no joy to say this, but we are now in the midst of another one of these episodes in medicine, we're in a dark period in which this uh, gender affirming care uh, is being promoted as the only solution for our kids. It's being promoted as the medical consensus, and this is what all the experts say in all the big hospital centers. And so parents are signing on the dotted line. Now, um, you asked me what is the price that's being paid, and it's hard to know where to begin, but let's just begin with the fact with the children. So I would say, number one, the children are being led to believe falsehood. They are being led to believe that their bodies are wrong and that their mind and the way that they feel is, is primary, is more important than their bodies and that they can deny what their bodies say they are and what their chromosomes say they are, and they will not pay for doing so. So I would say the very first part is in lying to children. Lying to children. And when you, when you agree to call your, your, your eight-year-old child or your 12-year-old child by a new name, new pronouns, and you allow them to use the bathroom of the opposite sex and to basically try and live as the opposite sex, and you tell the whole family and the school and the grandparents and the dentist and everybody, it is reinforcing in the child's mind something that can never be true. That child can never be, that boy can never be a girl. And so it is no favor to him, even though it is no favor to him to lead him to believe that. And uh, we also have to ask what effect it has on a child whose brain is still developing to yes. be dozens, hundreds of times a day, their new name and their new pronouns and everyone saying she, her and all the rest of it. What is it doing to that immature brain? We know that there's something called brain plasticity. And what that means is that with each experience that we go through, our brain registers that experience and it creates memories and it actually changes the wiring of the brain. Wow. So, so it's very real to suggest, I'm not saying we've done studies or we have been brain scans or anything like that. We should be 
doing them though, but it is fair to suggest that the social transitioning, meaning the name, pronouns, etc., has an impact on the child's brain. And so instead of leaving the door open to perhaps, perhaps uh, getting to a point of being comfortable with who they are and with their body, we are more uh, fixing, fixing that temporary so that it may be no longer temporary. In other words, it may have been temporary and we know from many studies that have been conducted on a group of these kids different than the teenagers that are now presenting, a different group of kids, historically, mostly boys, young boys. Um, we know that those kids, the majority of them are going to outgrow. If they are not uh, uh, socially and medically transitioned, if we just watch them carefully and give them support and give the family support and then allow them to go through their normal puberty, that yes. puberty, those hormones are going to cause brain maturation. And that brain maturation itself may to their dysphoria. Are you following me? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really amazing because I don't think people understand and realize the power of words, especially to children. Uh, just to give you an example, my granddaughter, she's eight years old. She's going into the third grade. She's being homeschooled now because of all the craziness that's happening in the schools. And she was telling her mom, I don't like how my teeth look. You can remember when your teeth started falling out and your permanent teeth came in and how big they were <laughs> in comparison to your baby teeth and how you just look really strange for a few months, you know, when those teeth were all coming out. So I sent her a picture of me when I was her age. And she goes, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how much I look like Nona. And, and it helped her understand Looks like we lost Vicky for a second if here. Telling children that there's something that they're, if we're telling children there's something that they're not, how can they get through it and be okay? And so that, that I, I feel like that's what you're saying. We just need to encourage children. You're going to get through it. Yeah. I love that story, Vicky, because you see, when you get your adult teeth in there, your face is still pretty small, you know, and you're and and kids don't understand. They're gonna they're gonna change. They're gonna get their their face is gonna get larger and their teeth are not gonna look that big. But because kids live in the moment, okay? Kids live in the moment and so they want what they want in the moment. And if you say to them, you know, you may not want this next week or you may next year you you may feel differently they're not their brains don't their their brains are immature and their brains are functioning more on a level of feeling and not thinking of consequences and you know the pros and cons of different decisions um and this is this is the whole reason why for example you know in the legal field um minors who commit crimes are, are tried in a different court. They're not tried as adults. Right. Because we, we acknowledge that their brains are immature 
and they may be more impulsive, right? So that they may have done something dangerous or stupid, or they may have harmed another person, but because they're a minor, our law legal system acknowledges that. And it's the same thing here. But you see, in this case, gender affirming care is calling on practitioners like myself to rubber stamp whatever the kid says. Just rubber stamp it. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how mentally ill the child may be. I'm supposed to rubber stamp it. And I'm just saying, no, I'm not going to rubber stamp it. So getting back to the damages, um, let's talk about the, um, the puberty blockers. Mm. Blockers uh, are truly experimental. Uh, and that is why in a number of countries, they have basically been banned outside of small clinical trials that are going to be performed in academic centers in which the kids will be watched very closely. But in general, the general population, Sweden, Norway, Finland, and England uh, have essentially banned blockers for these kids. Why? Because they have done very careful research and analysis of all the data. And they have concluded that there just isn't sufficient data showing that, that they're, they're helpful in the long term. Uh, and, but there is there is information showing that they can be that they can harm these kids. They harm their bones. You know, puberty is a is a time in life that the bones are strengthened, and there's uh you know there's the the minerals that are that go into strengthening bones are being deposited in the bones during adolescence during puberty, and so if you stop that puberty. They're, the bones are going to be affected. And there are cases of these kids ending up after a few years with osteoporosis, which mm. probably the two of you have heard about. That's something that, you know, older, older women uh, often have trouble with osteoporosis. It means that your bones are weak and your bones are brittle and it's easy to break, break a bone if you have osteoporosis. So it's a very serious thing. So, um, so, and puberty blockers are dangerous in, in many ways. I think you, you put something up there in the chat. But let's just talk about what puberty blockers do to, to the genitals, okay? Um, puberty blockers cause a girl to go into premature menopause. Uh, hmm. It can cause a boy to, you know, it, it will, prevent the normal maturation of his, uh, of his genitals. So for example, what happens in puberty is that both the, the testicles get larger, um, testicles begin to produce sperm, mature sperm, which you need in order to reproduce, obviously, and it causes the penis to grow. Those are all changes of puberty. Now, when you block that happening, let's say in a boy who's 10 or 12 years old, that means he, he will never, and then if he goes on to, to take estrogen, which vast majority of kids that are put on blockers, 90 or more percent of kids put on blockers are going to go ahead and be placed on the opposite sex hormone. So the boy put on the blockers 
whose genitalia will be, the development will be stopped. Um, he will not be able ever to produce uh, mature sperm. So he's fertile. But in addition, his penis is going to stay very, very small. It's going to be the size of a child's penis. He will not have a normal sexual response. He will not have uh, erections. He will not have orgasms. And if he does ever wish to go for the surgery that's called a vaginoplasty, which is the surgery in which they make a so-called vagina, really not a vagina at all, but it, it's called a vagina. You see, the surgeons are not going to have enough. Is this too much information for you? <laughs> I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary. I mean, because parents need to understand what's going to happen. I think a lot do not. You know, I, I saw a, a video was sent to me that kind of shows the process of this. I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't watch it. It was so disturbing to me. I could not watch it, but you talking about it makes it a little easier. Right. <laughs> I'll so, say, okay. Yeah, what you're speaking about, Vicki, is the, that surgery, the vaginoplasty in which they take, they take the penis, um, they, they, they slice it, they um, use the tissue of the penis as, as, and, and the scrotum to construct the vagina. But if the penis is too small to do, to, to do that with, it's not enough tissue. What they have to do is they have to go borrow some tissue from another place in the body. And what they have been doing uh, is borrowing it from the colon. So now we're involving surgery that's involving the colon. And they're, oh taking, they're taking some tissue from the colon, they're borrowing it, harvesting it, and they're bringing it down and using it in these surgeries. So these surgeries are very complicated. They have an extremely high rate of, uh, of side effects, of adverse effects. And in the end, um, uh, the, the rates of, of uh, people who are, are happy with their genitals is, is, is low. Okay, so people, even after all these surgeries and all the pain that they go through and all the, the ordeal of having these surgeries, the final result is really not great. And uh, there's, there's regret. And I've, I've talked to uh, especially young men who have been through the surgery. Uh, they no longer have a penis. They no longer have testicles. They will never have biological children and they do not have a normal sexual response and their lives are shattered. You know, oh the, the, the course to an adult is, is phenomenal, but when you throw it at a child, and what's worse is we were talking about the industry and what the dollar value on these children's lives are. And we talked about just the hormone therapy, million dollars through the life. But these companies that now come out with these surveys, they go into school districts, they go and these 10 year old kids are sitting down for a full hour doing a survey, asking all these questions. Do you feel comfortable in your body? Do you feel like you should be something different? This a child's brain is so susceptible to suggestion. Yes. And asking a 10-year-old to sit for a full solid hour to do a questionnaire, 
Ask any child to sit still for an hour anywhere, much less in church or doing a survey. But they're using the most vulnerable segment of our society to alter who we are. And that is the main point your book uh, uh, points out. Yes, but I also, I mean, there's a lot of awful stuff here and I apologize for that, but I do want to point out there, that there's so much that parents can do from an early age. Emphasize that, like I said, I think I said a few minutes, I can't, I'm doing so many interviews, I can't remember what I've said and what I haven't. But, um, you know, from an early age that you were always a boy or a girl and you will always be a boy or a girl. And it's impossible to change that. Um, and that it's, it's one, there are all different ways of being, you know, men and women. And we are all mosaics. Um, we have to celebrate who we are. Uh, and that goes for the parents as well. You know, you may, you may have a boy that's not, uh, not a basketball player and, and doesn't right. want to build planes and trains. You know, you may have a, a boy that's, that has more, uh, you know, stereotypically what we would call feminine interests, and that has to be okay in the family. The child should not be led to feel like there's something wrong with me, I shouldn't be a boy, and that makes them more vulnerable to this ideology, right? Um, one one of the things that I think about too with all of this, um, you know, there's this whole scenario of uh, you know reducing the population. Well, I tell you, with something like this, when children uh, grow to adulthood and they can no longer function as a male or a female to bring about uh, continuing our society by producing more children, that's that's a, a an effect that will um, will that will affect all of us. That will affect our society. That will affect our nation as a whole, not just that child physically. Um, that affects families in the fact that you're not going to have grandchildren, you know, those types of things. And that's something, you know, as a grandparent, look at that child and you're going, oh my goodness, it's going to continue. And to think about our society not having that any longer that should terrify everybody. You know, I want to, yes, absolutely. I want to just bring up uh, two more things I thought of while you were speaking. One is that Admiral Rachel, Dr. Levine has repeatedly stood up and said that gender affirming care blockers, the cross-sex hormones and the surgeries are uh, our, our medical care, our life-saving care. Uh, but, uh, the admiral, I call her the, I call the admiral, the admiral. I do not use the pronouns in my book. It's not an easy thing to do. It's very cumbersome, but I'm not going to use those pronouns. I will not have my speech compelled. So the admiral, there's an interview with the admiral from some years ago uh, in which the admiral says, I am so glad that I transitioned uh, as an adult after I had my children, because I cannot imagine not having my children. Now, wow. this is somebody who is standing, the second most powerful um, medical person in this country is standing up and saying to the parents all over this country that uh, yes, 
put your child on blockers, put your child on cross-sex hormones. This is the, the medical consensus that this is the proper care. Well, the Admiral is advocating for these procedures that are sterilizing an entire generation and that will never experience the joy that the Admiral had with, with the children and maybe grandchildren uh, that, that the Admiral will have uh, in life. So I want to point out the incredible hypocrisy. I tell you, I, I, I'm so thankful for your book. And let me just remind everybody that you, the name of Dr. Grossman's book is Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. Moms, dads, whoever is watching, get this book. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, Dr. Grossman's website, miriamgrossmanmd.com. Go there. I'm sure you can get the book there, but get this book. Educate yourself. Go to your school board meetings and say no more. We've got to stand up for our children because if we don't, who will? So um, that's the end of our show. And as always, moms across America, always. Thank you so very much for being with us today. I, I'm just so glad that you are out there and getting the word out to parents. It means so much. Thank you. I'm just going to say, if I could say one thing, there are on Amazon, there are bogus books that are, they're tricking people into buying bogus books. So the best way to do it is either through my website, which you gave, there is an, there's a link there to Amazon which is going to get you to the actual authentic book. And I'm also on Twitter, which is Miriam underscore Grossman. And there's also a link there. Please get the right book. And we'll also have a picture of the cover of your book so the parents will know as well. So that should help having that on our show as well. So again, thank you so very much. And I wish you the best as you go out there and keep carrying the message. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us today, and we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com, and give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.